0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Amen. If you guys would uh, come on into the sanctuary this morning, we're going to go ahead and begin our Sunday school. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. You guys have a good week? We had a good week in here. Amen. So thankful to be with you this morning. Glad that you have joined us this morning for our Sunday school um, adult class. Thankful for the opportunity to speak to you this morning. Uh, We're going to go ahead and just dive right into the word this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. We're going to begin with our text this morning, a story about Noah. Everybody say Noah. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This morning, for just a few minutes, I want to talk to you about legacy. Everybody say legacy. Amen. Let's pray before the Lord right now for this message and this service today. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word that is never changing. God, I pray that you would anoint me this morning as I minister to your people, and I pray that this word would not fall on deaf ears. Lord, let it be resident in our hearts and our mind this morning. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about legacy. Legacy is defined as the long-lasting impact of particular events or actions that took place in the past or in a person's life. Everyone say legacy. Of course, we can look at many people throughout history and understand the impact and the legacy that they left behind. Um, We can look at the scientific community and we can look at Sir Isaac Newton and Albert Einstein, uh, men who who theorized about relativity and laws of gravity and were mathematicians and scientists. We can look in politics and look at people like George Washington or Margaret Thatcher, the first U.S. president and the first female prime minister of the United Kingdom, who set precedents and influenced future policies. We can look at sports and look at the legacies of people like Muhammad Ali and Michael Jordan, considered the greatest of their time, the greatest in their sport, who paved away way and popularized their sport on an international level. So we can look at legacies of many different people throughout history. I've long been, long been fascinated with the concept of a legacy. I grew up knowing very little about my family's history and my family's past. And from an early age, I've always had the desire to leave an impacting legacy for future children and generations that will follow me. And I've always asked myself the question, what will I leave behind? What will my family history say about me? What will my heritage say about me? And so when I was in college, I uh, majored in history, and I I took my studies very, very seriously. Uh, I don't know if she's in here, yes, but my wife can attest that I took my studies very seriously when uh, when we were first dating about 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Um, we, we were just talking was the first few weeks of our, of our relationship, if you will. And I had my, my history notebook from my, uh, I think it was like a history 101 class. And I had my, my notebook laying out on the table and my wife and her, her friend came over and we were having a good time and talking. And I see her reach down on the, on the coffee table and grab the notebook, something that I was very proud of. And I held near to my heart. And she grabbed the notebook, and she started doodling in the front cover, and the back cover, maybe even covering up some words. But of course, we had just started talking, and we were in the early stages of our relationship, so I sat there and kind of gritted my teeth and didn't say anything. Of course, later on, after I was secure in the relationship, I told her my mind, um, <laughs> But I, I took I took my studies very seriously, and I took the idea of learning about the past very seriously. I've always been one to collect things from the past and keep things that I've written or I've worked on, so that future my future children and future people um, can know me through the things that I've I've done and I've collected. How many of you like antiquing? Anybody like antiquing? Hopefully, we don't have any hoarders in the room this morning. But one of the things that I was very proud of is when I was in college, I was able to write a research paper that I had published in a uh, scholarly journal called Legacy, and it was about um, the history of the coffee house, and we can get into all that later. But anyway, legacy is very important. Legacy is very near and dear to my heart. And we can look at all these different types of legacies throughout history, and we can, we can have desires to leave physical remnants of our lives to our future generations, And there's nothing wrong with that. It's nice. It's great. I recommend it. But this morning, I want to talk about a different legacy, if you'll allow me. And that is, of course, a spiritual legacy. So we can go back to our text in Genesis. And in the days of Noah preceding the verses that we read, many years of a sinful legacy had been rampant throughout the world. Verse 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination and every thought of his heart was evil continually. You see, the wickedness of the world provoked God to wrath. The depravity, the evil imagination, and evil thoughts of men caused God to destroy the earth with a flood. But in verse 8 it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why did he find the grace in the eyes of the Lord? Well, the Scripture says that in... uh, Verse 9, it says that Noah was a just man, and he was perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. The Thompson Chain Bible refers to Noah as blameless, obedient, sanctified, guileless. Genesis 7-1 says, For thee, Noah, have I seen righteous before me in this generation. And the greatest compliment that Noah could have received in these scriptures was that Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. And so God instructed Noah to begin building, how to build the ark, beginning in verse 14, ending in verse 17. God gives Noah the instructions of how to build the ark, what it should look like, the dimensions of the ark. God then goes on to give Noah instructions on what to do once the ark was built in verse 18 through 21. But first, before the instruction to go into the ark with every living thing was given, God first says, I will establish my covenant with thee. Notice he doesn't say I have established my covenant. He says that I will establish my covenant with thee. See, the covenant wasn't established until Noah obeyed. The covenant wasn't established until Noah obeyed. Noah could have been satisfied with just being a righteous man. He could have been satisfied with the way that the previous scriptures describe him. But God called him into a covenant with him, which required obedience to his command. Everyone say obedience. And I've known and you probably have as well. I've known many people who live right. They follow the do's and the don'ts, but they miss out on a special covenant with God and the covenant that he wants to make because they aren't willing to obey the voice of the Lord. We can check off the boxes of do's and don'ts all day. But God is calling us to a greater covenant, a covenant of obedience. Noah could have been satisfied with being a right man. But God said, I will establish my covenant with thee. But first, it's going to require some action on your part. It's going to require some obedience. And so God tells Noah to gather all the food available. And verse 22 says, thus did Noah. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. Noah did everything he was commanded, the scripture says. And God goes on to instruct him on the process of bringing the animals into the ark. Genesis 7, 5 says, And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. So two examples in consecutive chapters where God gives a command and the scripture says that Noah did everything commanded of him. Let that be said of us this morning. Amen. And of course, the story goes on. God kept Noah and his family during the flood. God provided them with divine care. He preserved them through destruction as the earth paid the penalty of sin while extending grace to his obedient servant. Noah's legacy is one of obedience and of righteousness. And I ask us today, what will our legacy be? Will our legacy be one of obedience and righteousness? Or will our legacy be one of just contentment? That we're just okay with what God has done. We're satisfied with the way people view us and the way people describe us. But what is God describing you as? What is God calling you to? What is God telling you to do so that he can establish something greater in you? Something greater that that hasn't been done in your life in the previous years. God is calling us to a new covenant. So what will our legacy be this morning? The Bible indicates that Noah built the ark for somewhere probably between 50 to 75 years. It doesn't say precisely, but we can trace back the lineage of Noah and his sons and the descriptions that the Bible says, and we can understand that likely between 50 to 75 years, Noah built the ark. He was given a command by God and built for what is close to a lifetime for us. Anybody past 75 years old? You don't have to raise your hand. But Noah for almost a lifetime for us spent building this ark, spent building the promise and the command that God had given him. Saint of God, this morning I ask you, what are you building? What does your life reflect? What does your schedule and your bank account and your relationship say about you? What does your life reflect? What actions are you building up and promoting? What is your life building this morning? Because everything that we do is building something. Every single thing that we do on a daily basis builds up something. What are we building this morning? If we're spending our time watching entertainment, if we're spending our time just socializing, if we're spending our money on the things of the world and not investing them into the kingdom, what are we building up? What are we contributing to? What does our life reflect Noah built an ark even when it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense for Noah p- to build the ark. We can look at the scripture and understand that he was likely in an arid, more of a desert area. Likely there was little to no rainfall ever recorded. According to multiple scriptures in Genesis uh, chapter 2 and Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 and verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of the things not yet seen, There were things that were about to happen to Noah and to the earth that had not been seen before. Noah obeyed God by faith, even when it didn't make any sense. When he was in a desert area where there was little to no rainfall ever, he was many, probably many miles away from a body of water or an ocean or a sea. He built an ark in a desert place. He built something that made no sense for an entire lifetime for us. Imagine doing something for the Lord and building something. And I don't just mean emotionally building something or metaphorically. I'm talking about physically building something for 50 to 75 years that never makes any sense. That's what Noah did. So again, I ask, what legacy are you building? What will be said of you? First Peter 4 and verse 10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, use your gift to serve others. Don't just lock up what God has given you. Use it to serve others because God has given us grace and given us opportunity to share the gospel, to share our gifts and our talents, our time and our treasure with others who need it. If God tells you to build a boat in the desert, build it. If God tells you or calls you to do something, even if it doesn't make any sense, do it. Build a boat in the desert. I dare you. Build a boat in the desert. Elder in the church, if God asks you to serve in kids ministry or youth ministry, even if it doesn't make any sense, do it. It doesn't have to make sense. It never made sense for Noah. If God asks you to build a boat, build it. If God asks you to serve somewhere, serve. Amen. Build a boat in the desert. If not, what are we building? If we're not doing stuff that sometimes doesn't make any sense, if we're not doing things that God has commanded us to do, what are we building? What are we doing? Are we coming here for ourselves? Are we entertaining ourselves? If God says to build it, build it. Amen. If God is urging you to witness to someone, witness to them. Take a step out in faith. Build the boat. You see, I can look back at my own life and ask myself that question. What have I been building? In years past, I thought I was building a boat. I I checked the boxes. I came to church. I participated. I even served. But what was I actually building? I can look back and say that everything that I did for God, or most everything that I did for God in a moment in my life, in a certain time, or for the kingdom, was also self-serving for me. You see, I thought I was building a boat. I thought I was doing something that was out there and sacrificial. I thought I was building a boat in the desert. But at the same time that I thought I was building a boat, I was also serving myself. You see, because I've been guilty of only doing things that I thought were for the kingdom, but also I enjoyed. I enjoy playing the bass. I, I I get fulfillment out of it. I I love to do it. I love to speak. I love to, to talk to young people. I love to come to church. But if I'm only doing things that are self serving and that I find enjoyable and I'm not willing to do something that doesn't make sense, then what am I actually building up? Am I building up the kingdom or am I building up my self indulgence? Am I building up my own pride, my own flesh? What are we building this morning? You see, the legacy that I was building was based entirely and shaped by my flesh and my pride. I was not allowing God to build my legacy for me. I was building the legacy I wanted. I was building the legacy and the impact that I enjoyed. I was doing the things that I thought, man, this is I can serve God and have a good time. I'm not saying we can't have a good time, but sometimes God is going to ask you to do something that's uncomfortable. So I was I was building my legacy that I wanted, and I wasn't allowing God to build it for me. I wasn't allowing him to use me to impact others as he wanted, but rather only impacting my own selfish desires. Your spiritual legacy is about impact towards others, not about self-fulfillment. We don't do this for ourselves. We do this for others. Amen. Everybody say Others. To redefine legacy, legacy, again, is the long-lasting impact of a person's actions throughout their life. You won't find the word legacy in the Bible. I looked it up to double-check. I've got proof on the screen if Sister Danielle wants to throw it up there. I searched legacy in the Bible Gateway tool in several different translations, and I couldn't find it. Now, if you all found it, let me know. I'd love to see it. But the Bible doesn't really talk much about legacy. You can't find it in the Bible. Legacy is not something that has to be spelled out or distinctly identified. You don't leave a legacy in your final will when you pass on. You don't say, My time has come and gone, and I give you my legacy. The lawyers won't read that out in a will. It's not something that's spelled out, but rather a legacy is something that is felt. A legacy is something that is understood, and it's not always tangible. You see, we often confuse legacy with heritage. As one source puts it, legacy can refer to the lasting effects of a person's actions, ideas, or accomplishments and is often associated with a sense of permanence or durability. In many cases, legacy is closely tied to the concept of reputation. A person's legacy is often shaped by the way in which they are remembered by others. Heritage, on the other hand, is a term that is often used to describe the cultural, historical, or natural resources that are passed down from one generation to the next. Heritage is often associated with a sense of continuity and connection to the past and can play an important role in shaping individual and collective identities. It can also be a source of pride and inspiration, providing a link to the achievements and struggles of previous generations. One of the key challenges is managing heritage. Of managing heritage is balancing the need to preserve the past with the need to adapt to the changing circumstances and meet the needs of the present and future generations. So our heritage is something that we receive. We inherit it. Our heritage isn't always determined by us. Esau's heritage was something that he was born into. We inherit it. It was something that Esau possessed by his natural situation. It was his birthright, the Bible tells us. It was not something that he created. However, on the flip side, Jacob's legacy was something that he made and carved out through his actions. Jacob was not born building altars. Jacob's birthright was not to build altars. His legacy of an altar builder exists because he made it happen. Esau was born with the heritage, but Jacob formed the legacy. Today, our spiritual heritage is something we were born into due to the victories and the struggles of those who came before us. And we can go down the list and name many, many, mighty men and women of God who have provided us with a great apostolic heritage. Amen? But our spiritual heritage is something that we're born into due to those who came before us. And today and going forward in the future... Our legacy is something that we create. We determine our own legacy through our actions. We determine our own legacy through the things that we build up in our lives. And here's one thing I want you to understand, is our legacy determines the next generation's heritage. I'm going to say that again. Our legacy, what we do, what we create, what we build up, determines our next generation's heritage. Because they're going to be born into a birthright. They're going to be born into something that they did not determine. Sometimes we cannot control the circumstances of our lives that we're born into. So we have to be conscious and be intentional about what legacy are we creating because we are determining the heritage of the next generation. Noah's obedience and righteousness determined his legacy. And his legacy created the heritage of his sons and those who followed in his lineage. I'll say it again our legacy determines the next generation's heritage. But understand that your legacy will look different than my legacy. Everyone's legacy and impact will be different. And as members of the New Testament church, we are to be like Christ. We are to be Christ like. We are to be Christians. And as I draw to a close in my final point of this message this morning, I want to look at our spiritual legacy through the lens of Jesus. There are many descriptions of Jesus that we can read about in the Bible. We know that, that God is manifested in the flesh. We know that there are countless descriptions. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of the end, the Prince of Peace. We can go down the line. But one of my favorite depictions of Jesus is that of the lion and the lamb. Two vastly different animals on opposite ends of the animal kingdom, opposite ends of the, of the, of the characteristics and attribute of an animal. Two vastly different animals that the scripture uses to describe Jesus, which perfectly sums up the dual nature of Jesus who was both fully God and fully man. So for a moment, I just want to take a minute and analyze ourselves and the idea of our legacy through the descriptions of the lion and the lamb. Often we think about our own spiritual legacy. We relate more to the lion than the lamb. You see, the characteristics of a lion are that of a conqueror, one who overcomes and defeats the enemy. A lion is mighty. A lion is strong a lion is recognized, a lion is acknowledged and respectfully feared. When we look at God as the lion of the tribe of Judah, as the scripture describes, we think about a kingly lineage that birthed the kings of Israel and led to Jesus Christ as the king of kings. You see, we identify more with the lion because it boasts our own self-image. It boasts our self-pride in the works that we've done, in his kingdom. A lion is loud and heard from far away. How many of you like to be heard? How many of you like to be seen and acknowledged? I'll say I do. I'm not, I'm not just preaching to y'all. I'm preaching to me. When I think about my legacy, my spiritual legacy, I relate more to the lion. Whereas the lamb depicts sacrifice. A lamb often goes Unseen. Go to the zoo, there's not going to be a lamb exhibit. There's going to be a lion exhibit, if it's a good zoo. You're not going to go to the zoo and and see people lined up to see a lamb. A lamb often blends in amongst its flock because its purpose is to stay with its herd at all times in order to protect the newborn and the young at the center of the herd. A lamb characterizes gentleness... Meekness, sweetness, forgiveness. A lamb is known for its obedience to its shepherd and its willingness to follow when being led. When we think about our spiritual legacy, yes, we want to be strong. We want to be mighty. We want to be acknowledged and heard. We want to be seen, just like the lion. We want to be mighty in battle. We want to be respected and proud of what God, God has done through us. But we also need to be proud to be unseen. We need to be proud that we show gentleness to those who needed it. We need to strive to forgive and to be meek. Yes, we need spiritual leaders with the legacy of a lion. But we also need spiritual leaders with the legacy of a lamb. We need saints with the legacy of a lamb that are willingly obedient to the call of God and to the direction of the shepherd that he has placed in our lives. Just as Noah was obedient, even when it made no sense, God is calling us to obedience. God is calling us to a legacy of the lamb that is sacrificial with our time, that doesn't require to be seen or heard, that is okay with going unnoticed. God is calling us to a legacy of a lamb this morning. Because the point is this morning is we need you serving in the church. We, we need, and I'm talking to me, we need to be serving in the church. Building a legacy that doesn't require recognition. Our decision to serve should not be based on if we're going to be recognized or not. We need to serve without recognition or without being seen. We need legacies being built that are ones of sacrifice and of kindness. We need legacies of a lamb this morning. John 3 and verse 30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. I believe that God is calling us to a new level of humility. I believe that God is calling, and I'm talking to adults. I'm talking to people of the church right now. There's not any young people in here right now, so this message is is for you. This message is for me. We need to be obedient. We need to understand that our service is not based on our level of increase. Our sacrifice, our time, our giving, our willingness to do what we're asked to do, what what we're challenged to do. It may not even be a direct, hey, Dustin, I need you to do this. I need you to serve in this area. No, it may be a message where God says, "I," and God uses his, his messenger to say, I challenge you to be uncomfortable. I challenge you to serve in an area where you're not necessarily comfortable. That is as much of a command as anything else. He must increase, but I must decrease. Jesus was referred to as a lamb one time in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 53, 7. Jesus was referred to as a lamb twice in the gospels in the book of John and once in the epistles in first Peter. But Jesus is referred to as the lamb 28 times in the book of Revelation. Creating a legacy like that of the lamb, I believe, is the call of God for the end time church. This means that we have to be okay with going unseen. We have to be okay with going unrecognized and understand that we may not ever gain the status of a lion or sit atop the hierarchy. The God of the Old Testament was the lion, a God who was fierce and mighty in battle, a God who was had vengeance and who wiped out the enemies of his people. You see, our heritage was won by the lion, but our legacy is determined by the lamb. We have to quit fighting battles that the lion has already won. We have to quit fighting battles that God has already won for us. We get so caught up with the idea that we're going through this battle, this struggle, but all we have to do is realize that God already won the victory for us. And God is calling us into a new level of humility, a new level of sacrifice, a new level of obedience, just like that of the lamb. When we stop requiring and only accepting a legacy of a lion and start building a legacy of a lamb, God will move like never before. We have to stop only accepting and requiring the legacy of the lion. We have to stop requiring, I have to, I have to be recognized. I have to have a shout out. I, I tell you what, the, the first time visitor... The person who is not saved doesn't care about how much recognition you get. I promise you. (laughs) We have to quit worrying about our position or our title and start focusing on our impact. Don't worry whether people see us or our organization sees us. We have to become sacrificial like the lamb so that we can impact others. Just like the individual's and the title of my message this morning that you can see on the screen, just like those individuals, it shouldn't matter if our faces are ever seen. It shouldn't matter if our names are never remembered. What should matter is the spiritual impact that we have on others, regardless of recognition. So again, I ask you, what legacy are you building? What will be said of you? Noah. Noah. For thee I have seen righteous before me in this generation. It was said of Noah that he walked with God. Just as it was then, these are the generations of Noah. These are the generations of wickedness. We can look around our world and see the wickedness of man rampant. What will be said of us this morning? What will be said of us? The wickedness of man is great, but are we walking with God? Are you building a legacy of impact for others? Are you creating a godly heritage for the next generation? Are you only willing to accept the legacy of a lion? Or are you willing to accept the legacy of a lamb? God has challenged me in my heart. As I read these scriptures, as I understand these concepts, God has challenged me in my heart that no longer will my service be predicated on the recognition, on the status, on the title, or even if anybody ever sees it. There are countless people who are serving in the church that do things that never are seen, ever. And we have to be willing that if if we're cleaning a toilet or we're vacuuming the carpet or we're holding a door, we have to be just as equally grateful and understand that that impact is just the same as if you were standing up here behind this pulpit. The impact is just as great no matter the position, no matter the responsibility. Again, my legacy will look different than your legacy, and that's okay. But God is challenging us to a new calling, a new level of obedience this morning. I want to share a brief story, and then I'll I'll be closing. I can think back to a time in the last couple of years. My wife and I were in Texas. We were at a church serving in music and youth ministry. And we felt in our spirit, honestly, we were we were tired. How many of you guys have ever been tired? And so we talked to our pastors and we decided to, to take a little bit of a reprieve we felt was needed and the pastor felt was needed as well. And so for a short time, we weren't serving in the capacities that we're used to serving. Again, capacities that are self-fulfilling things that I enjoy doing and that's not necessarily wrong and so we took it took a few a few months to kind of just step back and we weren't serving in any capacity and the church was that we were attending was having a 15year anniversary service and uh, brother David Bernard was the keynote speaker of that service and um, there were several different, Dignitaries and and you know, higher ups within our organization in Texas and different ministers, people of of great legacy. And I got convicted in my heart because I started thinking about well, Brother Bernard's gonna be there. I'm not gonna be seen. I'm not gonna be up here playing the bass. I'm not gonna be leading a service. I'm going gonna, gonna to go unseen. And I, and I struggled with this for several weeks. And God convicted me in my heart and gave me this message that it doesn't matter if you're seen. And I, there was an individual in our church, his name was Brother Vernon. He was an elderly man who had um, at one time been a, been a minister of the gospel. He had been a preacher, and he had suffered a, a pretty severe stroke. And he had almost no memory. He was just kind of there. However, Brother Vernon literally praised and worshipped nonstop in the church. If you were in service, Brother Vernon wouldn't know who you are. He probably didn't remember how he got to church. But when it came time to worship, I could hear him quoting scripture after scripture after scripture. And it was because Brother Vernon had built a legacy of praise and of worship. Brother Vernon had dedicated himself that no matter what, he was going to praise. No matter his circumstance, he was going to praise. And so during this service, uh, I get assigned to door duty. How many of you are thankful for door duty door duty this morning? And so I was out there, and I was opening the door, and I was shaking hands with people that came in, and Brother Bernard came in, and I shook his hand, and I thought that I would have this kind of feeling of that was it. Like, I'm I'm not going to be seen the rest of the time. I thought I was going to have those feelings because I had been struggling with that for a couple of weeks. And I look over, and the person that's on door duty with me is Brother Vernon, a man who at that point probably didn't even know who Brother Bernard was. But it didn't matter who Brother Bernard was. It didn't matter who recognized Brother Vernon. All that mattered was he was there to serve however he could. He was there to create a legacy of worship, a legacy of praise, a legacy of impact. And there's a picture. Um, I, th- I think I, I don't know if I sent you that picture, Sister Danielle. But there's a picture of Brother Vernon. I don't think I sent it to you. Um, But there's a picture of Brother Vernon and we're we're outside and and Brother Bernard is giving his scripture text and he goes into his uh, reading his passages and Brother Vernon's sitting there in the foyer with me and this big foyer is closed off from the sanctuary. So literally we can't see in, they can't see out. But there's a TV screen and I see Brother Vernon get up from his chair and he walks up and gets as close as he can to the screen because Brother Vernon, no matter where he was at, no matter who was watching, Brother Vernon needed to be near the presence of the Lord as much as he could. It didn't matter if he was in an entirely separate room. Brother Vernon was going to do what he could. He was going to contribute everything that he could, even if nobody ever saw it. And that night on November eighteenth, I wrote in my journal my feelings and, and what I had been thinking. And and I, I wrote that I was I was I wrote this in the foyer. As I as I am writing, I look up and Brother Vernon is standing just a few feet from me, probably didn't even realize that I was sitting there still and just staring at the scriptures and quoting the scriptures and lifting his hands. And God convicted me in my heart. You see, because I could have been upset or bitter about not playing music or being involved in the service or being seen. But I look at Brother Vernon, I look at him sitting at the door, opening the door for people, worshiping, participating, even though he is not even in the physical sanctuary that we were having service in and I see the impact that he had on me and the legacy that he left for me a man that I never really knew except for serving at the door with him but he impacted me in a mighty, mighty way I can look at men here in the church who have impacted me and left a legacy for me that isn't necessarily associated with the legacy of a lion we can talk about great men of faith we have a whole wall of of men of faith in the Bible We have a whole heritage of pastors and men of God here. But I can also look at our door greeters, people who are welcoming in our visitors. I can look at the meekness and the gentleness of Brother Rogers. I can look at the commitment of Sister Cindy Adams. I can look at Brother Budgie and his dedication to the word. Those things don't necessarily go recognized all the time or even get seen all the time. But they are creating a legacy They are creating an impact. They are not concerned about recognition or status. And they are creating a legacy that will provide a heritage for the next generation that is one of sacrifice, that is one of service, that is one of obedience, that is one of humility. And God is calling us to have that same mentality this morning. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand this morning as we close. How many of you are thankful for a heritage? a godly heritage. And how many of you are thankful for the legacy and the opportunity that God has given us to build and to create? This morning, we're just going to go into a time of prayer. And as we pray, I pray that God would convict our hearts this morning, that he would stir something up inside of us that would lead us to a new level of sacrifice, that would lead us to a new level of obedience, that we would not be only satisfied if our legacy is that of a lion, but that we are acceptant and willing to have a legacy of a lamb this morning.